Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shiel Kapadia joined by... Ben Solak, and it's prediction day, baby. We've got a matchup to talk about. Eagles versus Lions on Sunday. We've got to go on the record with our season predictions that, of course, will be uh, proven perfectly correct by the time the end of the season rolls around. Ben, I was thinking, can I call you like Benny Souls? Is there any nickname you you prefer? I mean, that seems to roll off the tongue well for me, but I don't want to call you something you don't want to be called. You feel good about Benny Souls? Oh, I love it. The- yeah. Okay, you can roll with that. That's fine by me. <laughs> you look stunned. Okay. Uh, nobody's ever tried a Benny Souls before. Okay. Um, Benny was like a big thing for me when I was eight. It's kind of died off since then. Uh, so a Benji's couple years never ago. been good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Benny Souls. You okay, know, Benny. We'll, 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 dreams, man. we'll workshop it. If listeners can come up with something better, then maybe I'll think about it. But when I just think about introducing you for the show, Benny Souls feels uh, pretty natural for me. All right, let's get into it. Eagles, Lions, we're going to talk about in the first segment. We're going to break down the matchup. And then in the second segment, like I said, we will go with our season predictions. Let's start off with the Eagles offense. Eagles offense versus the Lions defense. Eagles are three and a half point favorites. In this game, Lions defense was not good last year. 29th in defensive DVOA. They draft Aiden Hutchinson to pair with Charles Harris. Uh, They get some guys healthy, but did not make like other major 
personnel moves, Ben. What do you think of, of that matchup when the Eagles have the football? Yeah, so you go back and you look at last year's game in which the Eagles scored 44 points, and you say, well, this is wonderful because they really haven't added too much on the defensive side of the ball, right? You, you said you have the drafting of Aiden Hutchinson, or Mike Brockers, like, you know, they think their line's going to be better. Jeff Okuda's back from injury, okay. But there's like, you know, you still look at this Lions depth chart and you're like, this isn't that pretty. It's funny, that was a game in which uh, Miles Sanders was absent. And so the Eagles' running game was Hurts, uh, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Kenny Gainwell. Hertz had a total of 14 pass attempts in that game. He scored 44 points. He had 14 mm. passing attempts. And instead, uh, rushing-wise, he was 7 for 71. Scott was 12 carries for 60 yards and two scores. Jordan Howard, 12 carries for 57 yards and two scores. Kenny Gainwell, 13 carries for 27 yards. It was an awesome, awesome game to kind of herald in the, the, the running era of Philadelphia. You go and you look at how the Lions did against other rushing quarterbacks last year and the Eagles are the only team that got them like this the the Ravens only scored 19 points against the Lions in week three the Cardinals scored 12 points against them in week 15 and gave the Lions one and in week 12 Justin Fields Chicago offense only 16 points they were typically pretty good against rushing quarterbacks in the past why were the Eagles successful because the offensive line defensive line is such a huge difference uh the Lions are a they're, they're coached by Aaron Glenn, who's their defensive coordinator. He was previously the defensive backs coach with the Saints. Eagles also ran the ball all over the Saints last year. It's because this philosophy says we, we're going to have four down defensive linemen, and we're going to have a light box, and we're going to be able to fit the rungs. Our defensive line is better than your offensive line. And for the Saints, that usually works because the Saints have Cameron Jordan and like Marcus Davenport, these like huge, honking, large defensive ends who are really, really good against the run. The Lions are trying to do that philosophically, and don't have the personnel to do so. And the Eagles beat the big boy version of this last year in the Saints, and then also beat up on the little guy version of it in the Lions. The Lions haven't gotten better along the defensive line to account for those issues. So this lines up really well as a matchup for Philadelphia. You have the horses up front to beat this line off the ball, and the Lions don't want to live in a world where they have extra players in the box. The only way they'll do that is if they feel like they can play man coverage across the board which last year against the Eagles, a lot of teams could do. This year against the Eagles, new fellow in town, A.J. Brown, is brought in in part to make that uh, a more difficult proposition to punish you if you try to live in man coverage. So really, it, it, it lines up very well schematically for the Eagles to the point where you expect the offense to have a big day. Yeah, I would be concerned. Now, you don't want to read too much into week one, but it definitely would be slightly concerning if the Eagles come out and their offense just looks mediocre to below average in this game. I'm with you. I mean, this was not a good defense last year. They didn't do much to upgrade the defense this year. Now, they were hurt quite a bit by injuries last year, but even the guys coming back, I mean, we don't know what to expect from Jeff Okuda playing corner. You know, they signed Deshaun Elliott from the Ravens, who at times has been a good player, but has barely played. I mean, he's just been so banged up there at safety. And even up front, a guy like Romeo Okwara, who had 10 sacks his 2020, he's not playing in this game. He's out uh, coming off of an injury. They're thin on the defensive line. Uh, Levi mm -hmm. Anwuzarike, the defensive on tackle. Rizurike. We yes, don't know if he's going to play. Uh, we don't know if he's going to play in this game. He's dealing with an injury. Yeah. So uh, and really... They like they so like their nose tackle, yeah. Lee McNeil, right? Like he played in this game last year. They really like him and he's gonna take a big step in year two. That's great. This is not the like this is not the team against which to take a big step as a nose tackle. Yeah. Like, yeah, are you gonna beat Jason Kelsey in a one on one pass rush a couple of times? Sure. People have been doing that for thirteen years of Jason Kelsey's career. The Eagles are also gonna put you in a blender in terms of like the running game and moving guys around. And so like they have Austin Bryant, he's their big defensive end. They really like him. He's built to be this Cameron Jordan type, right? Just like a huge defensive end. Oh, eat up so much space in the running game. 
it's Jordan Mylotta and it's Lane Johnson. Like, yeah, like these guys could be better. I think if that is the case, we'll see it over the course of a few weeks for the Lions. I don't think we're going to see it this week. Ali McNeil, of course, the player who in my favorite, uh, one of my favorite moments, yes. Tom Donahoe, not giving Howie the fist bump, which really was maybe the most exciting moment uh, for the Eagles, in my opinion, uh, since the Super Bowl. I mean, that was fantastic. And so, wait, so that was right. That was third <laughs> round of 2021. So the Eagles you, traded back. They took Milton Williams, right? And they took Milton Williams. Yeah. Yes. I could, we, we weren't sure. Uh, we did the Birds with Friends postgame pod that night, and we weren't sure if it was Aaron Robinson the corner who the Giants eventually took, right. or Aleem McNeil. But I think it, it was uh, Aleem McNeil. So that's Listen, a fun subplot. If they subplot. had taken Aleem, they would not have <laughs> taken Jordan Davis this past year. So everything comes full circle. It's okay. 13-month sight into the future for Howie Roseman there. There you go. He, he was thinking that. And like you said, this was the game last year where the Eagles just totally changed who they were offensively. Yeah. This was the start of it. I didn't realize it was, it was only 14 pass attempts for Jalen Hurts. So really, they they should not be motivated. You know, They should be motivated to just see if they can do that again and run the football. You mentioned it's going to be a mismatch or should be a mismatch up front. Uh, maybe some wrinkles they added to the run game will pay off, and we'll see how much they come out trying to throw the football, trying to run the football, be in the middle of what they did in the beginning of last year compared to the end of last year. We'll find all of that out. Now, the Lions just looking up their uh, their coverage numbers on True Media. You're right, definitely wanted to play more two high coverages, but uh, certainly mix in a lot of cover three and cover one. So will they decide they can uh, man up the Eagles? Will they go to more cover three where they're getting the safety in the box, but uh, still playing with a, a single high safety, still playing zone coverage? We'll see. I would imagine after the way last year went, they would come into this game saying we cannot just get gashed yeah. on, uh, on the ground uh, again. So we'll see and when, uh, what yeah. they decide there. When they were good against the other mobile quarterbacks last year, they were able to do it from too high because they're bringing both the safeties down. Uh, and that's like one of the sneaky things about too high is you can play too high and be like really light in the box. You can also play too high and be really aggressive into the box, right? The 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 game to always remember is the way the Chargers played the Ravens in the playoffs in yes. Lamar's rookie year, right? Where the Chargers are like, we're in too high, but also the safeties are eight yards deep. This is not too high. This right. is They're just kind of equal. And yeah. they're also both involved <laughs> in the running game. Um, so that's how they did it. And they were successful against those teams because their defensive line could buy the time for those safeties to get involved in the fit. That's what you can't do against the Eagles. It's not going to work. So yeah, like try to live in a single high world, get that extra safety in the box, make the numbers look better. And that to me is like, like I'm very confident the Eagles offensive line and running game will work against the Lions. If not, it's either a huge improvement from the Lions who didn't see coming or a huge issue for the Eagles who didn't see coming. What I'm most curious about is when you get into a third and six or when you're in a, a first and 10 look and it's clearly not a run look. AJ Brown, known commodity, awesome player, but first time in Philadelphia. How are they going to use him? What routes are they going to give him? Against presumably uh, Jeffrey Okuda, who was was a top three pick in the corner for the Lions, who looks tremendous in camp, moving awesome, but just doesn't have a ton of experience. It's like a, it's like an early drafted rookie corner almost going up against AJ Brown. It's a big yeah. metal test for Okuda. And if Okuda can hang, then Amani Arawari gets to be corner two. He's a pretty good corner two. The Lions can kind of sit in man coverage and really make Hurts beat them with his arm in the event that Okuda can hang. Like he's not going to win it, but hang in the AJ Brown matchup. I don't think he will. I think it's too early in his kind of return from injury for that. But that's if you're the Lions, that's the matchup you're circling. It's like, if we win this matchup, then we can do X, Y, and Z, which will allow us to stop the run, so on and so forth. So AJ Brown versus Jeff Okuda is a big one. Assuming Okuda is the guy that they let be corner one. If they choose to let Amani be corner one and let him live with AJ Brown, that's a that's a win for, for AJ. Amani's a good player. He ain't that good. 
I've got the Lions when I did the uh, the defensive projections for the Ringer. I had them as the 27th ranked defense. I don't think they're going to make a major leap this year. I looked at their talent. I didn't love it. And so, again, this should be a, a good matchup for the Eagles. All right, the other side of the ball, Lions offense, Jared Goff against this Eagles defense, which I think we're on the same page. We like the personnel. We might not love how they're going to use the personnel or we at least have questions about that. So Lions last year, 29th in offensive DVOA. They were very run heavy. They were the second most run heavy team in the NFL. Then they get rid of Anthony Lynn. They strip him of play calling duties. This year, it's going to be first time play caller Ben Johnson. Maybe the most uh, unknown coordinator in the NFL. What do you think? Lou Anarumo had that title, I feel like, for a while, but he kind of put his name uh, on the map last year against the Chiefs. I mean, I would not imagine that a lot of people, I sort of forgot about Ben Johnson and Tid before I did a uh, Ringer NFL pod with Steven Ruiz and he brought him up and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I totally forgot about that guy. Uh, What do you expect this Lions offense to look like in 2022? Yeah, talk about, can you pull Shane Steichen out of a lineup, man? I don't know if you're pulling Ben Johnson. No, I cannot. Yeah. Of yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, ben Johnson, who very famously like was good at math in college, and now has had multiple pieces written about the fact that he was good at math. Like the NFL world is just so stunned. He had like a good math score in his ACT. There's a whole piece <laughs> on uh, Free Press for Detroit about like, man, Ben Johnson was a nerd, guys. He's a good offensive coordinator. But like, that's what you do. He's like a young guy, and he has like, you know, it's like the whole Matt Patricia rocket scientist thing, right? We're just kind of doing that all over again. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see much in terms of the broad strokes of the offense change. It's very difficult to figure out what Ben Johnson's going to be about, but like you were there in camp, you see the way they run it in the preseason. They're still going to hit the same general notes. It's a West coast offense. It's always going to be a West coast offense. That's what Jared Goff can run. Uh, They're going to be an outside zone team at times. They're not going to, you know, be like under center outside zone all of the time, the way that Goff was with the Rams, but they're going to use it. They're going to run out of the gun, whatever. Uh, Offensive line is really good and they want to be able to live in the running game accordingly. Same approach as Philadelphia. They don't have the advantage of the Jalen Hurts running quarterback boost to their 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 running game. And accordingly, you can slow DeAndre Swift down. It's a good, it's a good offensive line. It's not as good as the Eagles. And you, you can win against the running game in more traditional ways. Big, big, big test for the way the Eagles are now going to approach their rushing defense, which was abysmal last year. It's easy to hide it because the passing defense was also abysmal last year, but the run defense was not good last <laughs> season. Uh, so it's a big, uh, you know, uh, kind of heat check for your Jordan Davis, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, Nucleus, like these guys that we added, not Edwards, but guys who now are, are primary role players in the front seven. How are we going to do it on, on base downs? Because the Lions would like to sit on the ball. They'd like to run it and they'd like to get to their play action shots accordingly. Uh, wish the Lions had a better receiving core and we could test the passing game a little bit better. Uh, I think like Amon Ra, when he's in the slot versus Avante is going to be a fun matchup, but like yeah, that's DJ Chark. Josh Reynolds, you're going to have, you're in a position where you should be able to play man coverage and be successful if you want to. And that's why like the test is less about the player and more like John Gannon. If we are in the second quarter and we've been playing our, our zones the way we did last year, like for most of the season and the score is 14 to seven and the lines have had two nice drives and Jared Goff's converted some third downs. Might be time to get a line of scrimmage and press us on a gun. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see whether or not Gannon's going to press that button or whether he's going to want to kind of sit in what he sat in last year. So a lot of what we talked about in the defensive preview pod, what game-to-game adjustments is Gannon going to make? This is one of the more poor receiving cores that you're going to see in your season. Uh, this is the sort of group that you should feel comfortable man coverage against. You don't feel like you're in a bad place with any of your matchups. 
I would like to see them do that. I remain unconfident that they will. I'll believe it exactly when I see it. Week one is always wild and unpredictable, but man, if they come out and get carved up by Jared Goff, that is going to be alarming for what the what, what we could see on defense this season. Now, that Lions offensive line when healthy, very good. But Halapulavati Vitae, who Eagles fans know, uh, Ooh, was there. Ripped that puppy off. That was, was a quick 2018 <laughs> flex right there. Thank you. And, and that was a no edit, too. I'll tell you, you know, we, we, we're not going to edit here. We just go straight through with it. Uh, he's injured, and their backup, Tommy Kramer, is also dealing with an injury. So if you're looking for that weak spot, right guard on the Lions offensive line certainly could be that. And then their center, Frank Ragnow, uh, he's dealing Mm -hmm. with the groin injury. So like they're not at full strength. I'm with everybody. When they're at full strength, it's a good offensive line. They're not at full strength. And of course, I got to give a shout out to guard Jonah Jackson, the pride of Pencrest High School, the future home of the Capadia girls in a uh, a, a few years. Is that... Uh, it's a media alum, PA. Is that where you went? No, that's not where I okay. went. But I will be a father rocking the, you know, uh, rocking the Pencrest High School sweatshirt. Okay. Those, those kind of, you know, Do, the, the gilded sweatshirts any? that yeah. they make you, you know, buy. Yeah. So yeah. No. Does your does your high school have any NFL alums? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, okay. I can't imagine. So, they stunk. How, you you do right? Yeah. So one because okay. Strasburg High was not like huge, but when I was a freshman, Sebastian Joseph Day was a senior. Oh. Yeah, and then he, I went to Rutgers, and it was great because like when he was coming out of Rutgers, I was doing like draft coverage, and I was like, you know, who everybody should like more is this sixth rounder out of uh, Rutgers, Sebastian Joseph Day. He's a good little player, and it was 100% homerism. And then he went to the Rams and got <laughs> awesome, and now I'm like, yes, my boy. So I'm a, I'm the world's biggest Sebastian Joseph Day fan. Sebastian Joseph Day made Ben. You know, I was wondering how did Ben Solak make such a quick rise up the ranks? I mean, talented guy, smart guy. I like him, but there had to be some kind of secret secret yeah. sauce there, and it was Sebastian Joseph Day. Awesome. On the coattails of the Rams backup defensive tackle for two years, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, I've got this Lions offense ranked 24th league wide in my uh, in my preseason ranking. So again, a below average group. All right, let's take a quick so you're break. You're generally low yeah. on the Lions. Lions. I am. I've got them know. six and eleven. What do you have the Lions this year? Uh, I don't I know if you've done every team's record or not. Yeah. No. If you're I, a sicko like I, me. No, I also. <laughs> So I, I live in Michigan, right? Like my, my in-laws live outside of Detroit. And so whenever yeah. I go back and visit, kind of, you know, get swarmed by the people like, oh, you think about the Lions. That's what I keep saying. It's like, they're probably like a six, seven win team. Yeah. I think the vibes are going to be a lot better than the record for the Lions. I think there's going to be a lot of games in which they're in them late. They're kind of probably losing because their quarterback's limited and they're going to know that they have the right pieces and they just need to make a change of quarterback. So I think like this could be closer than people think. Like it is a four point line. It's probably too close, but I do think the Lions are like more respectable. There should not like I think any Eagles fans who's like, oh sweet, cakewalk for week one. Eh, slow down. They're, they're, this yeah. is a, a, a plucky team. And the obviously like it's a very, very positive environment right now because there's zero and zero. Like everything is possible. So I, I I don't think it's a it's a cakewalk, but I'm surprised you have them 24th and 27th. I was surprised, a little surprised when I did it too. I do them separately yeah. and I just do them and then I look at the end, you know, because I don't want to be right. influenced by, oh, I had their defense 27th. I should have their offense ranked higher. I don't want to be doing that's that. Smart. And so that's where I had them. Uh, I think, I, yeah, I think they're quarter, like a cute, 
feisty team. I mean, I just don't see like the talent on this team that maybe some other people do. And I'm not, you know, while Dan Campbell was entertaining on hard knocks, I don't know that this coaching staff is giving them like a huge edge on a week to week basis. So, all right, that's a good tease because when we come back, we are going to do our game predictions. We will predict the score as well, along with our season predictions. We'll take a quick break and then we'll get to those. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, we're back. It's prediction time, baby. All right, here's what we're going to do, Ben. We're going to each predict three things we'll be talking about on Sunday night's pod. I think we'll workshop this segment as the season goes along, but this is different. This is week one, so we'll predict three things and then we'll get to our score. Go ahead, start us off. What's one thing you think we'll be talking about on Sunday night's podcast? I think we're going to be talking about the fact that of the star receivers who got traded, A.J. Brown had by far the most impressive and exciting and and illustrious debut. Ooh. I think that you... You have so you have three star receivers. Right? You have Tyree Kill, who went from the Chiefs to Miami. You have Devontae Adams, who went from the Packers to the Raiders. And you have A.J. Brown, who went from the Titans to the Eagles. Uh, Tyree Kill gets the New England Patriots. Firstly, I think that I'm very low on the Dolphins' offense. I don't really see how it's going to work. I definitely think that against a Patriots defense that's motto for the past two decades has been, hey, we're going to take away what you do best. They're going to bully Tyree Kill. I think that they're going to come into that matchup with saying, we don't want Tyreek to kind of have a day here. So I think it's going to be like a quiet debut for Tyreek. Now that he's going to be bad in Miami, but just looking at week one, I'm like, eh. Devontae Adams at the Raiders. They're playing the Chargers. Another really, really, really good defensive mind. Uh, they have a star corner in JC Jackson, who is questionable right now for week one. We don't really know how he's going to look or not. But even if he doesn't, like they still have good depth at corner. They have Bryce Callahan. They have Asante Samuel. And it's, a, I think, a good defense. I think they're going to get a lot of pressure as well on Derek Carr. I think that that's a big defense line offensive line mismatch. Whatever. And then you have A.J. Brown. And as I've been talking about, I think the Lions are going to come out and see if they can live in man coverage. And I think that A.J. Brown's going to eat their lunch. Uh, I also think that while we don't want to overreact to like preseason and training camp narratives, the degree to which Jalen Hurts seems comfortable to just throw it at A.J. Brown at every single opportunity, just like any third down, any one-on-one, like the level of trust, the chemistry, like their friends is clearly so high between the two of them that I like... I am not predicting, oh, like, you know, 13 targets, 10 catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. But I would not be surprised if 
they walk out in this game and just the, the target distribution is insanely whack towards AJ Brown. I don't think it'll stay that way all season, but if the respect has not yet been established for how powerful that connection can be, even with like the concerns of where does Hurts throw it, where does AJ Brown win? Like you can still just throw him the ball on screens. You can still throw him the ball and just like one on ones down the field. I expect such a high target AJ Brown game that I think, you know, week one is a lot of time for like retconning offseason takes. That's very often what we end up talking about. It's like, all right, we talked all this about like the Russell All Wilson offense in Denver. Now, what did it really look like? I think that's going to be our, our headliner in Sunday. It's like AJ Brown and Philly as advertised, baby. This is what it was supposed to be. Pretty much any time AJ Brown doesn't get, I'm trying to think of what the number would be six targets. In the game minimum, mm-hmm. uh, I will be on here saying that is coaching malpractice to not find a way to get him the ball uh, that often because that's why you trade it for the guy. My first one, I mean, it's very, it's very similar. I had, we'll be talking about, now I was a little more like specific on one thing, but A.J. Brown will have a monster play on the Eagles' first possession. An explosive 20-plus mm. yards, maybe a deep crosser, maybe a slant where he just throws a defensive back to the ground and takes off. But yes, I think there will be a concerted effort to get him the ball early in this game, and I think he's going to he's gonna show up in a big way. So since mine was so similar, I'll get to my second one. I think we'll be talking about the Eagles' pass rush. Last year against this Lions team, Oh, all right. It looks like you might have the same one. This is pathetic. We need to be more creative. Uh, last year against this team, Eagles had six sacks. That was a season high. Now you're looking at a group that is deeper with more bodies that can attack you in different ways. You're looking at a Lions offensive line, which I mentioned could have a third stringer at right guard. We'll certainly have a backup at right guard, could have a backup at center, or could have a center who is dealing with a groin injury. I mean, that is tough, the interior of your offensive line uh, against the Eagles. Now, we'll see if Javon Hargrave plays or not. We don't know uh, about that. He's been out with a toe injury, I believe it, it is. But even without him, you've got Fletcher Cox, you've got Jordan Davis, you've got Milton Williams there on the interior. You've got guys who should be able to get after him, not to mention Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham is back uh, looking good this summer on the edge. And so you have a lot of bodies to throw at the Lions. Jared Goff is not mobile. Jared Goff crumbles under pressure. We know this about him. And I so I think there's a chance we see sort of a rejuvenated pass rush from the Seagulls defense this week. Yeah, so I my mine is a little <laughs> bit more pointed in the same way that yours was a little bit more pointed. Uh, I think particularly we get a little bit of like a dawn of Josh sweat conversation mm, in this game. Okay. Uh, yeah. So your left tackle for the Detroit lions, Taylor Decker is a fine player. I've always thought Decker's a little bit gassed, but whatever, he's a fine player sweat last season, right? Majority of the time he's rushing over the left tackle showed a different approach to pass rushing than what he had shown in the past. Uh, I think it was when Matt Burke was here where like uh, he worked a lot with him in terms of defensive line work. And basically like sweat was trying to have the whole arsenal of weapons at his disposal as a pass rusher. And Burke was kind of like, Hey, you need to like do this and then do that. And then do this other thing. Right. It made it like a lot more linear. Like, Hey, you're a speed rush guy, rush with speed. And then when you're successful rushing with speed, go to a long arm and like your long arm is going to be like, all right, they're setting just the tackle is setting to speed. He's, he's worried about his outside shoulder. So his weight's going to be back. It's going to be on his heels, stab him with one arm, knock him back onto his heels, put him in the lap of the quarterback. And then we got the long arm working we rush him with speed. 
Now we're just going to give you a cross chop, right? So the tackle's got hands up. He's ready to engage with the long arm. You're just going to swipe those hands, come underneath, and went on the outside corner again. Like, we're just going to have a punch, a counter punch, and a counter punch to the counter punch. And it really unlocked sweat. Every year and offseason he gets away from that, I think that the pass rush repertoire is going to continue to build now in the correct way, where it's like, all right, like he's starting to like run, you know, they call it side scissors. It's like a Nick Bosa joey bosa thing but like okay he's like a slightly different hand movement now like i think that sweat came into the league trying to do too much got appropriately deconstructed and now it's being built back up so like his development came a little bit later than i think eagles were hoping but he's on that track now so that was really good by pass rush win rate last year he was really good by pass rush productivity this year i think full season is as unquestioned starter i, I don't think he really is going to come off the field at all uh is going to give us like you know double-digit sack season from Josh Sweat. I was about to say Pro mm. Bowl season. I remembered he actually made the Pro Bowl last year. Oh, I Very oddly. As, okay. He did, like, as an, like somebody dropped on, like, Thursday. It's and so he was, like, broken. The fourth what are they yeah. doing with that? Unbelievable. Yeah. Terrible. So, okay. I think we get a nice dawn of Josh Sweat. The other thing that, that's really nice is Jared Goff doesn't move in the pocket, right? Yeah. So you, you you win that rep, and then you can actually finish the sack for yourself. And in terms of, like, fast winners, like Redick is obviously a really quick winner on the outside, but I don't really know exactly how they're going to use him yet. So I'm begging on Sweat. I think we had a big game from Josh. Okay, that's a good one. My third one is I think we get a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson meme from this game right away. Already? Week one. I think it could be some type of celebration after a takeaway, I think it could be him like offering to help Jared Goff up and then like taking his hand away. And then people are using, you know, you know how you Gen Z are like, you guys can't say anything without a meme or a GIF or something attached. You can't just use words. So, you know, your generation will certainly be, uh, be pushing this and it'll be showing up on my timeline. I won't know how to even use the meme. I don't use memes. I'm a grown up. Uh, I'm an adult. I don't do that. Okay. But that's ridiculous. <laughs> Me? Yeah, firstly, Yes, you do use memes. You're just online. Your job is writing things on the internet. Inevitably, memes are going to like listen. Sneak check their my way timeline. In. There's not. There's no meme you see. But there. The, the, this is the old man stuff. It's not that I use memes. That you think memes have this like very narrow construction of like things your aunt posts on Facebook with like That's white lettering captions. With like correct. No, it's it's a much wider range of things than that. I'm gonna. I. I'm. Clear my schedule for the rest of the day. I'm not on any more pods. I'm just gonna find a Shio Kapadia meme somewhere. You you won't find it. But that is that is my prediction. I think I think he will do something right away that will sort of endear him to Eagles fans. I think this is a matchup where you can kind of get under their skin a little bit, push him around a little bit, and I don't think he'll waste any time in making his presence felt. What do you got? I I disagree. I think that the okay. Chauncey, I think the Chauncey moment comes in a game with a lot more energy charge to it, okay. right? I, nobody, no, Detroit is not good enough to warrant like Chauncey. <laughs> I, I, as, even as I say that, I remember that like the main people Chauncey's instigated against have been like Javon Wims and Tariq Cohen, so or his or team. his own teammates, or his own way. teammates. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's, but it's in Detroit. No, no, no. It'll be the first home game. When, okay. the, when the Lynx giving him the energy, that's that's when he'll show Week two, Monday Night Football. That'd be a good right. one. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Okay. Yeah, primetime game. You You're might gonna, be oh, right. all the screenshots, baby. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my third one is, I wanted to get like, a, not like a sad one in there, but whatever. Uh, in terms of things we're going to be talking about, I think that when we are going over what was worrisome, we're going to be talking about the linebacker rotation, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, TJ Edwards out here is a starter. We talked a little bit about, like, where exactly is going to Kaiser White going to play. Talked a little bit about, like, how can a Kobe Dean get on the field, whatever. The Saints, or excuse me, not Saints. This Lions team is a play-action team. They like to throw to their back, DeAndre Swift. They like to throw to their tight end, TJ Hawkinson. 
That puts your linebackers in a spot. I mean, th- th- this is a, a, a team that attacks the visibility, the, the, the pass coverage strength of your linebackers. They hammer it. I don't know if the Eagles have a good coverage backer. I think that there's a chance that we, like, if we get, like, a great Kaiser White game, then we're going to be talking about, all right, this is awesome. They have to make sure they keep Kaiser on the field. They have to find ways to make sure they're always in, like, their two linebacker packages so Kaiser can be on the field. they got to play Chauncey deep so that Kaiser can stay over tight ends, whatever. I think also if, like, you know, we got TJ Edwards whiffing on a tackle on a screen that goes for 19 yards, we start that conversation as well. So I think, like, it... In the world in which you tell me, hey, the Lions moved the ball really well. They had 300 total yards of offense. How did it happen? My guess is that linebackers got put in the microscope a little bit. I think that's something that we're going to be starting to figure out. And the Eagles also very quickly have, like, the Vikings, who also do that really, really well. So I think in terms of, like, early season defensive narratives, that's the group that I'm worried about. The snap counts, even as you were saying that, that's always fun for week one. You know, I don't yes. know how they're going to use TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, and Nicobe Dean. I don't know how often Hassan Reddick's going to be on the field or how often Josh Sweat's going to stay on there. If if Javon Hargrave can't play, is Jordan Davis, how many snaps is he playing? I mean, he played 25 snaps a game last year. Is he going to be on the field for 45 snaps? In this game, and then offensively, the personnel usage—are they just living in eleven personnel now that they've got uh, now that they, they've got a wide receiver core that they feel good about? What are you smiling? You're just sitting there smiling. Is someone sending you something funny again? I mean, you know, you can't get through a podcast without tweeting. Now I don't know what you're doing. There. You're you're looking at something. What are you looking at? Minnesota Vikings beat writer for the Athletic, Alec Lewis. <laughs> Uh, Viking special teams coordinator, Matt Daniels on Jalen Rager, whom he has had respect for as a punt returner for some time. Quote, he's a very stout, cocky built guy, narrow, thick, Hmm. strong legs, big glutes, really nice calves. I was salivating over this dude. That's what he said. Jeez. That's a real thing. Gosh, he's a human being. All right. That was worth laughing. That was laughing is disrupting this podcast. Listen, here's what we'll do. Anytime I see you doing that, it's going to be like when a, when a teacher finds the student, like passing a note in class, I'm going to make you read it out loud to the class if you're able. And then I will render a judgment on whether it was worthy for you to disrupt the podcast with your laughter. That was, I mean, settle down. Jeez, the guy's a human being. Although listen, if anyone complimented my glutes, I'd be happy about that. You know, I just want to know, I just want to know that might be a drop. I want to know what what cocky built means. Cocky built is interesting. Cocky is a disposition. Yeah. It's not a not a, a a composition. You can't use it that way. Yeah. And then n- he goes on to say narrow, thick. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. How's that work? <laughs> I was thinking like, about that. Yeah. When you said that, I'm going. Wait, those sound like two different things. And who would describe Jalen Rigger as narrow? I mean, uh, as Asante yeah. Samuel would say, all that thickness. I can get behind that. But uh, right, everything I else say like narrow. narrow is like a little. It's like it's like one of these things is not like the other. Everything yeah. else is like this is a, a well built dude, uh, and then also I'm, narrow. In the I'm middle. so uncomfortable. Yeah, All very right. uncomfortable. Okay. Anyway, wishing the best for Jalen in Minnesota. Wishing the best for Jalen Rager in Minnesota. All right, let's get to our score predictions. You want me to go first? You've got a pen in your mouth, so I assume that means go you want it. me to go first. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I've got the Eagles. Win- now the Negadelfian in me is going shield. Just like settle down. Everybody's hyping them up. It's week one. Weird things happen. They're on the road. I mean, this certainly could be one of those where we're coming on here Sunday night going, oh my gosh, it, uh, how the hype got to them. And this is terrible. 
I'm not going to buy into that here. I think they are the better team. I think they've got enough leadership where, where they'll be ready for this moment. I don't buy the talent on the Lions. Everyone feeling good about them after watching Hard Knocks. I think the Eagles will be able to move the football. I think they'll be able to run the football. And defensively, my gosh, if you can't slow them down, then what are you doing? You have such a big talent advantage. So um, I've got Eagles 27 Lions 20, so Eagles cover the three and a half. Oh, wow. And I actually think it's a game where it's not going to be as close as that score indicates. Like, I don't think it's going to be this very uncomfortable game in the fourth quarter where they add a score. I actually think they might have like a 27-13 lead in the fourth quarter and the Lions add that touchdown late and make it look a little closer than it is. How do you feel? You, you sound whole, like you're going a different way. No, but that whole preamble of like, I'm not going <laughs> to let the Negadelphian get me down. And then a seven point win. That's covering this. That's doubling, covering the spread. And I said, it's not even going to be that close. All right. What are you doing? Tough guy. 40 to 10. 31, 16. Okay. All right. I'll yeah. give you credit. Here's, you put your money where your mouth here's, is. Here's the thing about a team that's, that wins running the football. When you go to sit on a lead, you continue scoring. Right. It's not like, you know, like, all right, like the Chiefs score 30 and three quarters and they don't do anything for the fourth quarter because they're running the football. It's not how they score points. This is how the Eagles score points. Right. So you go, all right. Like, you know, we're 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 up, you know, 24 to 13, 11 minutes left of the fourth quarter. They put together a seven minute scoring drive because this is how they they actually move the football. I also think you're going to get high point totals because both of these teams are aggressive fourth down teams going for it teams. They're going to get yes. touchdowns instead of field goals. Like my 16 point prediction was like, Oh, they missed a two point conversion. Like, you know what I'm saying? You both these teams are going to try to get points up on the board. And I think week one, we're going to see the offense favored. Another thing that we haven't really talked about in terms of week one, but this is just like league wide is uh, the NFL is emphasizing illegal contact penalties again. And typically when they emphasize legal contact penalties, scoring goes up. And when, uh, in terms of like like Vegas bookmaking, right? Like right now the total is set at 49. I have a total of 47 points, but we typically see overs early in the year because books have not yet adjusted to the fact that there's going to be more points because illegal contact is going to be called a lot more, which just keeps drives going, moves you down the field, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I do think we're in for a few more points than you might think. And I also think the Eagles are in a position to driver's seat this game for four quarters because when they have a lead, they're going to continue playing the same way they've been playing and continue pushing the ball down the field. So 31-16, I expect good offense. Nobody asked for that, by the way, NFL, in case you were asking for our opinion. No one asked oh, for that. Oh, I, I, I did. There's nothing, there's nothing you that ruins did? my viewing. There's nothing that ruins my viewing experience more, Sheil, than on a route to second and seven with 12 minutes left in the second quarter. I see a defensive back touching a receiver eight yards down the field, and the entire sanctity of the game is ruined. Oh, it just grinds my <laughs> gears. Oh, horrible. I hate it. It's nothing worse. Let's make sure we stop that so I can go back to enjoying good old-fashioned American football. For a second, I thought you were serious, and I was about well, I'm to. I'm disappointed have, have that you to, believe me. Have to go off taunting last year, this this year. Like, why? Why are you doing this? I don't understand. Good point on Campbell, by the way. Campbell, according to Ben Baldwin's site, was the most aggressive coach on fourth down last year. So they did have stretches where I go, well, at least they're trying to win some of these games. So they, yeah, I think both these teams probably will be aggressive on fourth down. All right, let's knock out our season predictions. We're doing pretty much the same exercise, except this is this is season-wide. So we're going to make three predictions on things that are going to happen this season. I told you these could be as silly as we want. They could be as serious as you want. And then we will finish with our record predictions. I'll start off with a, a silly one. Though This one is personal. I will pitch the idea of covering both a Phillies pl- home playoff game 
and an Eagles and the Eagles Cowboys game on October 16th, thinking this is a great idea. I'll cover them both. I'll write this Philly column, but then ultimately I'll back out because that's kind of my MO. I like to come up with ideas and not follow through with them. So again, this really has nothing to do with the Eagle. Right, listen, I've gotten all my Eagle season takes out there. So I was just trying to think of something stupid and ridiculous over the next month. And uh, that is my first prediction. I imagine you will have something better with your first prediction. That could be fun, though. I do like those days where it's a, you know, those October days. It's rare when you're in a a city that has both a baseball team and a football team, and you can get kind of the the double dip between a a playoff game and a regular season NFL game. I do appreciate that as a prediction because now I know that uh, MLB playoffs happen in October. I didn't know that before (laughs) because I refuse to know anything about Major League Baseball. So this is a great feeling. Uh, My number one season-long prediction is that we get a big midseason trade. Oh. Howie Roseman tends to be active at the midseason trade deadline. It makes sense. It's He's a trader, and it's a good time to do trades. Last year, uh, we usually see small stuff, right? Last year, traded Joe Flacco to the Jets. Joe Flacco, who's starting week one, revenge game against the Ravens, baby. Uh, so Joe Flacco trade. He also had the Zach Ertz to Arizona trade. Got a conditional pick and Tay Gowan, who's no longer with the team. 2019 was the Gennard Avery trade. Previously mentioned, not that great. Uh, 2019 also got Duke Riley. 2018 was the Golden Tate trade. That was last time there was kind of like an actually big one. 2017, very famously, Jay Ajayi, who ended up being very important to the Eagles subsequent playoff The best run. one, so you, probably, of all the ones you yeah. mentioned. Yeah, I mean, they won so, the Super yeah, you Bowl, tip, so. You typically see Howie make a trade at the deadline. I think by week eight, week nine, the deadline's always kind of like the middle of the season. I never remember which week. By that time, the Eagles will have been, I think, established as a clear winning team as the leader of the NFC division, right? If you make the trade deadline in the middle of the year, they'll play the Lions, Vikings, Washington football team, Jaguars, Cardinals, Cowboys, Steelers, and Texans. It's very reasonable they're a one-loss team. I don't think it'll happen. Wow. It's it's, it's very possible that they're a one-loss team at that time. It's also likely that they've sustained some sort of injury. That's just the nature of football. A starter or two has probably gone down. Accordingly, I think it's very possible that with like vibes really high in Philadelphia, team looking like an NFC contender and with potential injuries that you go and you find somebody who's on a one-year deal, who's on a bad team, who's on an expiring contract, who's on a guaranteed heavy contract, so they're cheap if they were traded, right? Because all that's left is base salary. Any one of these guys, like look at what Zach Ertz was to the Eagles, right? It was just like not being used the right way. He's a veteran. He can contribute. And the Eagles go and they get that guy. Especially if Hertz is playing well, you don't feel like you need future draft capital as much because you feel less likely to move on from him. So call him my shot now. Big midseason trade. There's no way of knowing who. I think it's going to be like yeah. off a position that gets weak. But big mid, big midseason trade coming for your Philadelphia Eagles. My head when you were saying that was thinking when you said, and then when you said Jay Ajayi, you know maybe it is a running back where you're not you're not going to have to give up a whole lot. It's just for kind of half a season. Maybe Miles Sanders uh, suffers an injury, or you just don't like the way that group is playing, and you really like you said have a chance to make some noise. That would not surprise me. It's it's sort of hard to identify uh, another position, but I, I like that one. That's a good one. Okay. There's one name I could potentially like that like kind of already kind of floats around in my head a little bit, uh, but he also did just get extended, so I don't think it's going to happen. Well, you have to but, say it now. Well, I actually now that I think about it, DK Metcalf, who was the original name, probably doesn't make as much sense as Tyler Lockett does in terms oh. of 
Seattle sucks. The quarterback is bad. Passing okay. game is very sad. I want to get out of here. And I think when you look at thin positions for the Eagles, I'm still receiving guff online for mentioning the fact that Quez Watkins has like three good plays in two years. Yeah. But wide receiver is a spot where depth is a question mark. And so you go and you get yourself a, a Tyler Lockett into the building and play a little football now. I love Tyler Lockett. I was there when they drafted Tyler Lockett. He is a wonderful player. player. I actually thought he and Devontae Smith had some uh, similarities yeah. when Smith was, uh, was coming out. So that's a good one. I was going to make one of my predictions that like, uh, ben versus like uh, Quez Watkins Hive becomes like a running where anytime he makes a catch, you know, you're like this happened to me when uh, I I didn't like the Dallas Goddard picks. I thought it was a bad use of resources, and so whenever Goddard makes Same. a play, you know, people just tweet at me uh, hashtag resources. So listen, my you, you judge decisions based on um, the information you have at the time, and my thinking was absolutely spot yes. on there. Okay, and you judge analysts by the one thing they've gotten wrong <laughs> over the course of a couple. That's of years. fair. I don't mind that all right my next one i'm going back to the chauncey gardner johnson well here oh i'm I'm saying i'm saying he will either get kicked out of a game or suspended for a game so this listen so this could be you know because if you watch those saints games closely last year now i don't know this i didn't report on the saints so i don't know this for a fact to me it always felt like malcolm jenkins knew just when to be like all right dude like Let's let's uh, reel it in a little bit. We don't want to get you kicked out. We don't want this escalating. And so he kind of let uh, Gardner Johnson go right to the edge, but not go over it. And remember, it was Gardner Johnson and Michael Thomas got in the fight at practice. So this could be two things. It could be something during a game where he just gets so fired up and crosses that line and no one kind of pulls him back. Or listen, this could be something in practice. This could be a random Wednesday in October where he's maybe going a little bit too hard at A.J. Brown, at Devontae Smith. It escalates, and all of a sudden, on Friday, we learn, hey, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's not going to be available on Sunday for the Eagles game uh, for a violation of team rules, something like that. Uh, so that yeah. that is my prediction. I don't think it's going to really detract from how much Eagles fans love him and, and how much of a good player he's going to be. But I just wanted to you know, drive that point home that this is the NFL's biggest instigator. And when you have the biggest instigator, it can be fun 90% of the time and 10% of the time there can be some uh, some repercussions. And and just to clarify, the 10% of the time is absolutely worth it. No, no, just no, I, it's I, fun I for us. Yeah, that 10% is yes. fun for us anyway. This, I, this, this is such a good prediction because all it takes now is two unsportsmanlike and iconic penalties in one game for you to get tossed. No, which I didn't even think of that. Right, yeah, that's that, that's the rule, right? <laughs> I would say on average, Chauncey Garner Johnson deserves two unsportsmanlike and iconic penalties per game. I, he doesn't get called for him, obviously. You get a long leash and you're smart with how you deal with the refs. And obviously when you're the instigator, because he's an instigator, you don't get penalized as much. It's the, it's the retributionist. It's the one who responds who gets yeah. penalized. Uh, I'll call your shot even further. Week 17 against the New Orleans Saints. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yes, absolutely. So week 17, home game. I think very reasonably at this time, the Eagles are like in control of the NFC like they're 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 up there in the NFC race. They're in control of the NFC East. They're vying for like position, right, in terms of like where their playoff seating is. And I think the Saints are vying to make the NFC playoffs. I think it's a very hotly highly charged game. I think both teams have a lot at stake. And I think all of Chauncey's ex teammates are playing for the team that didn't pay him the money he wanted to be paid. If there is a game to bully Michael Thomas, that is the game. So yes, I want Chauncey tossed out of that Week 17 game more than I need air to breathe. He's going to be going. 
after Dennis Allen in that game too. Like he'll, I, I, I could it just, it's so clear in my head seeing him get like a PBU near the Saints sideline and then just finding Dennis Allen and like waving yeah. his finger in his face like he did with Tom Brady. So well, now is that one of your official three or were you just? Uh, no, just, no, 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 no. I, okay. I was All loving right. the energy. You were loving it. All right. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. What's your next one? By the second half of the year, Jordan Davis will be out snapping Fletcher Cox. Oh, baby. I thought about this one. I couldn't quite do it, but I love it. Okay. I just think, I think that the, and and we talked about this a little bit, how you didn't really like them bringing back Fletcher Cox on a $14 million price tag and understandably so. I think that they brought Fletch back because Fletch is a respected veteran and a valued leader for this team. He's been here forever. You want to treat those guys right. You want to have the culture of and the reputation of handling your dudes, even as they get older and they're maybe not as effective. However, it was definitely up in the air. Like it was, it, this wasn't like a no-brainer Eagles. We have to have him back. Like they were comfortable with the idea of not having him back. So I think he's already kind of like on thin ice just in that regard in terms of like how much tenure he has with, with the coaching staff with the front office. And then you bring in a couple guys who can also, I think, step into leadership roles. Like firstly, Brandon Graham is coming back from injury. I think Graham is of anybody the most leaderly of Eagles defensive players. And then you bring in a guy like Hassan Reddick. Like it's his first year, but like he's a veteran. He's a respected player in the league. He's also a Philly guy. Like he's generally liked in locker rooms and he was in Arizona and Carolina. Chauncey is not like leadership material in the sense of like rah rah sispumba, but he is a guy that like people rally around because he is a fun dude to play with. Darius Slay has been in Philadelphia now for this is his third season. Like he is Stepping into the role of being a leader. Captain. Named captain this yeah. year and was uh, James apparently Bradford, very emotional about player. it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really need any more. Like, you don't have to. Fletch being a 30-plus-year-old guy who's been around for a while is not as much of a justification as it once was. And I think that if the players see Fletch putting forth the effort that he put forth at times last year, which was sub-100%, and then you get the big dog out there, Jordan Davis just going 120% hauling all 345 pounds of himself around trying to make plays. Like we saw in that Jets game, he's like chasing down a, sc- a screen, like a runaway train. That was awesome. You're, you're going to want to communicate to your team that we're going to reward that young player for putting forth that effort. Cause that's our culture. Remember Gannon is an Eberflus offshoot. That is hustle. That is intensity. That's turnovers. That's, we are going to be a team that tries very, very, very hard. So I think by the end of the year, you're going to see games in which Fletcher Cox snap count 40%. Jordan Davis snap count. 60%. And I think that's going to be a, it's not going to be like a, a decision that gets a lot of visibility because I think it's going to be helpful to the team. I think both are still going to play well, but I think it's going to get a lot of visibility inside the building. That, that storyline has so much juice. It's okay. Someone good. It's okay. So who, uh, Quez Watkins calling you. That's all right. Uh, that storyline has so much juice and so many layers to it that, that I love yeah. it. I mean, one is what kind of workload can Jordan Dave, Davis handle? Uh, maybe that's overblown. It could be. Fletcher Cox, though, I mean, I can I can uh, say this confidently from having uh, I covered Fletcher Cox when he first came into the league, and then when I came back, I covered Fletcher Cox again. That will not be something that happens uh, quietly. That he is saying, "Yeah, I'm good with this. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll take a back seat." He's in a contract year. He just got 14 million, by the way, for one year, which I believe was the most. If you just look at you know annual value for any defensive tackle this offseason. Like no defense. So he has leverage. Here's the other angle. Howie Roseman, I believe, uh, feels greatly or cares deeply about how some of the 
I don't know if legends is the right word, but these guys who have really been a core part of the franchise, the Kelsey's, Fletcher Cox. I mean, yeah. these are guys who brought the franchise a Super Bowl, who made Howie Roseman look great in those situations. I think that's part of the reason Fletcher Cox is back. And so I think he cares deeply about sort of the terms of engagement between the franchise and those guys specifically. And so is there a situation where the coaching staff says, Listen, this is what's best to do. And the, you know, how he's going to, are we sure we want to uh, do that? Jonathan Gannon, does he have the standing to do that? I mean, I don't know what, right. they, maybe, I don't know. Shape. Maybe these players, maybe they love him. I don't know what they think about him. I know Fletcher Cox was unhappy like three games into last year with how he was being used by Jonathan Gannon. So uh, there are so many layers to that that I do think that uh, I definitely have my eye on the snap counts there. By the way, it, maybe there is a scenario where, Fletcher Cox in that reduced role. Again, he's not going to like it, but there were like possessions last year. There were games. There were halves where the old, oh, that's the old Fletcher Cox. Wow, look at what he just dominated this series. Now, it didn't happen often. It did not happen consistently enough, but there were those flashes. And so you could right. make the case that it's like the veteran uh, who used to be a, you know, who was a 10 yeah, time all star get- coming off the bench in the NBA that they're going to, it's a better role for them at that stage in their career. They got to get Chris Long on the phone with Fletch and Chris be like, hey, do you remember when I came in 2017 and I loved it here and it was awesome and it was so fun and I was so good? It's because I was playing 30% of the snaps. Yeah. It's because I was chilling and then just being used on money downs too. It's like, hey, Fletch, yeah. go get six and a half sacks. We're going we're gonna to put you out there. We know they're throwing it. Oh, go yeah. get after the quarterback and go make yourself some money and some other team can pay you be a rotational guy. There's yeah. a way this works nicely, but I agree with you. I don't think it actually ends up working as, nicely. As longtime listeners of uh, myself know, I am Team CTC, which is cash them checks. And if I were a defensive lineman and you don't want to play me against the run, guess what? That's cool. I'll hang out over here. Just third down, yeah. two minute, make sure I'm out there. I'm right. gonna, I, I got to get those numbers. I'm in a contract year. So, okay. Uh, speaking of which, my last one. I don't even think this is going out on a limb. Hassan Reddick's role and lack of production will become a major talking point by week four. Now, let me be clear. I really like Hassan Reddick. I think that was a a very good signing. I think he is a very good player. He's put up the numbers. Uh, This goes back to Johnny Gans. How are you going to use him, Johnny Gaines? Are you going wow. to put him? Wow, I felt in- I felt special when I got Benny Soul. <laughs> yeah. I was I was warming up to it. Now it turns out you just do this with everybody's name. This is I just throwing a you line too. and only yeah, use the first syllable. Um, but right, I Shelly Caps. <laughs> I believe that Hassan Reddick is the type of player who basically tells you what you have in a defensive coordinator. Do you have a defensive coordinator who knows knows how to put him in position to succeed and really make him a difference-making player? Or do you have a defensive coordinator who's a little confused about it and all of a sudden you're going, this is the guy you paid whatever it was, $15 million a year, and this is how you're using him? I just can picture it early in the season. Maybe he's not piling up the sack numbers. Maybe there's a, a key third down that you're posting the, the all 22 of where, again, he's dropping back. No, I'm like, they're trying to do some kind of simulated pressure. And all of a sudden, they just get carved up. You and I like, are going to have a reckoning about simulated pressures, <laughs> man. I like you to- use it like this pejorative. <laughs> no, I like it when, it, when, the coordinator, when the coordinator knows what they're doing outstanding. It's beautiful to, I would love nothing more than you posting a clip of them doing it and it working uh, wonderfully. I'm not confident that this staff is going to be able to do that. So that's just my prediction. I think Redick in the first month of the season, it's going to be a talking point about what's going on with how they're using this guy and his lack of production. Ah, yeah, we're, there's inevitably going to be a show titled on this podcast, like some Sunday in October. It's like, 
Eagles, Commanders, colon, Ben and Shield finally have the Hassan Reddick talk. Like, I agree with you in the larger sense of, like, a player like Reddick tells you what you have in a defensive coordinator. I very much agree with that umbrella. We're like, you should be able to use this guy correctly. It was it was very illustrative when the Cardinals couldn't. And then, like, he had a good sack year, went to Carolina. Phil Snow runs the sort of defense. It was much better, whatever. I also think that, like, the key third down where Hassan Reddick is dropping into coverage and then it's converted is so much more visible and easy to pick on and 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 highlight than like the key third down in which like Marcus Epps doesn't have his feet aligned correctly and can't close on a guy that the Reddick thing gets hammered and the Epps thing doesn't and it's the same sin it's the same issue it's you tried to do x and sometimes the offense wins that like there's the the whole like if I have like a, a film watcher pet peeve, it's when people are like, look at this guy dropping into coverage. You should be dropping into coverage. Why is he dropping into coverage? He's bad dropping into coverage. Like, you got to sometimes move people. Like it's just like, it's, it's such an easy thing to pick on when there's so many other things that also go on. But there have to be examples of where that is causing confusion for the opposing quarterback and he's holding on to the ball and it's leading to something positive. If that happens, I'll say, great, you schemed it up. We see coordinators do that all the time and it's beautiful to watch. I mean, Todd Bowles, there were the clips last year, right? Vita Vea, I think it was against the Eagles. They had yeah. Vita Vea dropping into coverage. coverage. And guess what? It worked beautifully. So if, yeah, that's fine with me. I have no issue with that. Muddying the picture, not letting the quarterback know which four guys are rushing. Absolutely beautiful. Great defensive coordinators in the NFL. I love watching you do that. That if, if you're not if you're not good at it and it's leading time, I mean, when this team blitzed last year, it was mostly a disaster. They barely blitzed, and when they did, they sucked. That type of thing is on my radar. So anyway, we'll say it'll so, be an ongoing yeah, theme. The, the, I just, you know, the, yeah. the, the data collection places don't count sim Those aren't sim pressures. I know, I know. Yes. But it's, it's just, I, I do like looking at that because like, you're right, that is different. If they were all put yeah. in a bucket, then it would be different. You're right. I bet if they did collect those, the numbers wouldn't be good either. But anyway. <laughs> I also agree. <laughs> I just wanted to win that point right there. Yeah, that's four, you're out. right. All right, go yeah. ahead. It's, um, no, it, it, I, I very much agree in terms of, I, the way you said it, we're like, the way Reddick is used is going to tell us what we need to know about Gannon, and I think is perfect. Like, that's such a good way of, of talking about it. Like, for me, like, Reddick and, and Jordan Davis are the two where it's like, if they're being used wrongly or unsuccessfully, it's going to really, really piss me off because it's easy money and it should be easy money. If it's not being easy money, it's an issue with the defensive coach. Yeah. So that nut right there is, I think, so, so, so critical coming into the season. Okay. What do you get? Do you have one more? I forget. Did you do three or no. you have one more? You I have had one more. Big mids, big mids, oh. big mid season oh. trade. Okay. Jordan Davis going to outsnap Pletcher Cox. Oh, and I do have my third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. What great listening prediction. skills by me, though. How about that? You didn't even know Bravo. if you did three and I did. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> All right. At some point in this season, I will say these words on this <laughs> podcast. If Hurts plays like this, they'll be a Super Bowl contender. If Hurts plays like this every week, they'll be a Super Bowl contender. Right? I have... As of t- noon on Thursday, September 8th, you know, eight hours before Rams-Bills kickoff, a relatively sober and I think honest and accurate view of who Jalen Hurts is and isn't as a passer and what that means for the Philadelphia Eagles. I also have on this show predicted that we will get overhyped, we as a general Eagles watching community, will get overhyped about Jalen Hurts at the end of like an easy stretch of beating bad defenses. I am here to both predict and admit <laughs> that I will fall... <laughs> For that exact same trap that I'm seeing and predicting and currently successfully avoiding in the sobriety of the offseason. Uh, this team is going to be good. 
and feel so good independent of Hurts that inevitably there's going to be some game like week 12, week 13 when it's clear the Eagles are in the playoff picture where we circle that game. And I'm not even saying it's going to be necessarily against like a definitely bad defense. Like there's a chance they go against like, you know, the Titans week 13. I think the Titans have a really good defense this year. And they're going to go up against the Titans, like top five DVOA defense and hang 30 on them. And we're going to go, if it looks like this, they can make a run in January. And we're going to know somewhere in our actual brain that it's not going to look like that for three weeks in January. And we're lying to ourselves. But we're, the, the, the green vein of the amygdala is going to take over and make us want to believe that. And so I, I have called my shot on Hertz with honesty in this podcast. And now I'm also calling my shot that you should not listen to me come November because I'm probably going to be swept up in the emotions of it all anyway. I like it. The self-awareness is outdating. By the way, you could have gone in any number direct when you said, I'm going to utter these words at some point. It could have been like, Sheil, I can no longer work with you and do this podcast and like, <laughs> no, your head. I, would never. I mean, something like I that. Would never. That would have been fun. You know, something like that. Add a little uh, juice to it. But uh, I like that one. Yeah, there will be ups and downs. I do feel there will definitely be a stretch where we are heightening the expectations of this team, maybe from where they are preseason and saying, listen, the way the NFC is going right now, uh, they absolutely have a chance, which leads to our final question of the podcast of the week of the four in a row, the Ringer Philly special. We're making our record predictions and playoff predictions for the Eagles. Ben, would you like the honors? I would like the honor of, of bringing a game to the show. Uh, oh, we obviously okay. have both done, well, because you and I have both done Eagles podcast before yeah. when I was with BGN and with Kirsten Solak show, we always did a game that we literally just called the game. And the game was, I list, I run through the record. You have to decide win loss right after I say the game. And then we see what you think the record of the Eagles will be. So it's game by game prediction, which I think you've already done, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did yeah. it at one point, but yeah. Okay. Okay. So from the dome, Shio Kapati, are you ready? Yeah. Week one at Lions. Win. Week two, home Vikings, Monday Night Football. Loss. Ooh, week three at Washington. Win. Uh, week four, Jaguars. Win. Week five at Cardinals. Win. Ooh, week six, uh, home Cowboys. This is a Sunday night game. Loss. All right, by week, week seven, we're currently four and two at the bye. Uh, week eight at Steelers. Loss. Out of the bye week. (laughs) Uh, Week nine at Texans. Win. That game is a Thursday night game, if that changes your perspective. Okay. No, it doesn't. Uh, Yeah, no, it's the Texans. (laughs) Week 10 uh, at Washington. Win. Week 11 uh, at Colts. Loss. Week 12, home Packers. Win. Woohoo. Week 13, uh, home Titans. Win. Uh, the uh, the the late season run into December uh, at Giants, win. At Bears, win. At Cowboys, loss. That I hate. Oh, no. I hated how this went. This is so different yeah. than when I did it by myself. I was I getting know, so right? nervous. <laughs> That's why it's fun. It's because it's just one word: win, loss, and then you start to like hear yourself going on these runs. Okay, two games left. Uh, oh, there's two games left. Oh, wait, there's two games left. I thought, what, what week did you say that was? That was week 16. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you make yeah, that yeah. a win? That was supposed to be a win against the Cowboys. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, now you're messing yeah. me up. Okay, so this yeah. is... Sorry about that. There we go. Okay, so uh, at uh, home Saints. Win. And that last game, home Giants. Win? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what I did here. 
Ladies and gentlemen, what do I have? Thirteen on? and four. No, did I? Oh from I, got, I got so confused. I was so good. I mean, I definitely initially probably had them losing to the Packers. I was getting in my head, going, "Wait, did I already?" I was like, "I gave them too many losses yes. already," and I was trying to match it to my final prediction. So I think I choked but with see, that. That's- that's why yeah. the game is such a good game is because yeah. you think like, yeah, like the Eagles are like an 11, 12 win team. And then you start going through the games. You're trying to keep track in your head. You get a little bit twisted and all of a sudden, baby, the 13 and four Eagles. Oh my gosh. So yeah. I don't know what your official prediction was, but I wanted to ambush you with the game. because Okay. Am I supposed to Eagles do this to you now or no? Or is it just, well, you no, because now, now, okay. now I know it. You can't okay. do it back. Cause all I'm right, already gotcha. ready for it. Okay. That was uh, fun. Yeah, good. I, I, I like that. Yeah. I do. I have the Eagles as an 11 win team. I have the Eagles at 11 and six. I certainly don't have them beating the Packers uh, in, uh, in in week 12. I appreciate that, but I'm, uh, I think Packers are a little bit good. Uh, yeah, I have them as an 11 win team. I think that they comfortably win the division. I think that like the Cowboys are maybe close about halfway through the season, but I don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to sustain a season of injuries. I think they're just a little bit too fragile. They're not a deep team. And the Giants and Washington are much more likely to be picking top five than to be picking you know, potentially making the playoffs. I think both teams are going to crater. Uh, so 11 and six Eagles for me. It's like third seed coming into the playoffs. Should be fun. And then what is your, well, you got to give me a playoff. I mean, you can't just say that. Where, yeah. where, when I, is the last time they play football? So uh, they're the third seed, which means they, they, they face the sixth seed in the playoffs. I think they end up getting a team like the Cardinals, the Niners, the Rams, anybody who kind of comes out of that NFC West. And I think they lose in the wild card round again. Okay. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think that they get back-to-back exits in the wild card round. Obviously, this one a little bit more surprising and difficult to deal with than the Buccaneers one. But I do think that you just typically see in the league more bespoke game plans on both sides of the ball once you get into January, even without like the extra bye week and everything like that. And I think that when defenses really sit down and say, what do we want to take away from this Eagles offense? And they, they dedicate a playoff effort to it, I think they'll be successful. Um, obviously... It'd be nice to know who's healthy and who's hurt, but we don't get to know that. So at this time, wild card exit. All right. I got carried away during the exercise. My official prediction is 11 and six. I'll tell you what, if the, if there were another team with the same profile as the Eagles, I would be very intrigued by picking that team as my sleeper in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. I think the NFC is ripe for a sleeper. I have lots of questions about the Packers. I have some questions about the Bucks. I have some questions about the Rams. And after that, it's completely wide open. They have the second easiest schedule in the NFL by projected win totals. I think they have a top five roster. I think they, they can withstand injuries at a lot of different spots. And so even if you're getting league average injury luck or below league average injury luck, I think you're in a good spot. I don't think their division is good. I think Washington and the Giants are are going to stink and you could easily now it doesn't usually happen that way but there's at least a possibility where you go four and oh against those teams or at least three and one um I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't uh, put the Kapadia curse on the Eagles and pick them uh, to get to the Super Bowl. But I do really like this team. I've got them 11 and six going to the divisional round. I'm with you. I think, you know, just picturing them against a team like the Rams or the Bucks uh, in the second round of the playoffs. I know you even said the wild card round. I just have a hard time looking at that quarterback matchup and thinking that the Eagles are going to end up on top there. That's why I think the regular season is very important. You know, if you get the one seed and you really just stack wins and are able to get the bye and then play at home in the divisional round, well, now it might be a different story. Yeah. So uh, I think the offense takes a step forward, but it's not elite. The defense, as everybody knows who's listened to this week of podcast, I have a lot of questions about despite really liking the talent. I think they go into the offseason season 
They take a big swing on a quarterback, whether it's through trade or in the draft. And ultimately, Jalen Hurts, while well-liked, while he gave Eagles fans some good memories there for a couple of years, is not the starter in week one of 2023. I could easily be proven wrong here and look stupid if he has a fantastic season and it's a no-brainer. If he does, but how fun. That, have We're fun. podcasting in January, baby. That's right. That's just how I feel at this moment in time. All right, Ben, Benny Souls. This was a nice first week. We did four episodes. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate all the feedback. Everyone who's rating, reviewing, following on Spotify, subscribing, unsubscribing. We appreciate all of that. The in-season schedule, we mentioned it before, but we'll mention it again. We're going to pod on Sunday night. And so we'll see what happens in that Lions game Sunday night. Uh, ben and I will come on the mics. We will record a podcast. It will be to you by Sunday night or certainly Monday morning if you want to wait for it. We'll break down the game, offer our reaction during the week. We will watch the film. We will crunch the numbers. We will listen to the takes out there and offer our own takes. And we will come back with a second episode that will be in your feeds on Thursday mornings. And you know what? If crazy stuff is, stuff is happening, if the pod's going so well that we feel like we need to do more, I will just text Ben and Cliff and say, let's do another one today. And they can either shut me down or say, yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and do that. But at a minimum, Sunday night, Thursday, all season long. All right. Thank you to Ben. Thank you to everyone for listening. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we will talk to you Sunday night. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.